I forget that when I'm here, I'm actually preaching to a whole lot more people than's here. And I often forget that. So everybody's online. Hello, too. <laughs> I'm glad you're joining with us. Um, I'm not used to that, but that's okay. I hope it works good that way, too. So far, I have preached two messages already to you. The first one was Revive Thy Work and uh, talked about how it was needed, why it was needed, and that uh, only God could do the work. Uh, Last night, I talked about uh, that uh, the people want to know what was it they could do to work the works of God. And that is to believe. Very simple. Believing is the work of God. Tonight, I'd like to talk to you about being workers together with God. So if you would open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Let us pray. Our precious Heavenly Fathers, we come to you at this service. We thank you for every song that was sung. God, we thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you for your word. God, as we open up the word, oh God, and share what you've laid on our hearts, I ask you, oh God, that your Holy Spirit will do as it always does. And it carries this word to our lives. Oh God, may it apply it in our hearts. God, there's no way that I know the heart of everybody, but you do. God, you know the heart of everyone that's here. You know the thoughts that they're thinking even now. God, as we're laid open and bare before your sight, help us to realize, oh God, who it is that we, we are working with, oh God. And that it's you, the God of all of eternity, the most omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent being that could ever be. Oh, Lord, and I just pray, Father, oh, Lord, that you'll just guide and direct our hearts and our minds, oh, Lord. I pray, Father, you challenge us, oh, God. Oh, Lord, that none of us will get stuck in any one spot, oh, God, but be willing to make progress with you. And we ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You see, God works. God wants to work. But he always starts off with him doing a work, and it takes us believing. All right, that's kind of what we've already talked about already. And God wants us to be able, he wants to work in us and through us. So that's kind of the the thought tonight is working. He says, we beseech you, we beg in you, let's be workers together with God so that you don't receive the grace of God in vain. I want to tell you what, God has been gracious to all of us. Salvation was the greatest gift that God could have ever given to us. And besides that, he's added on to us many, many, many spiritual blessings over and over and over again. And every blessing you've received from the Lord is another gift from God. It's a gift. It's part of his grace. And you don't want to receive that in vain. And what that means is you don't want to take it so it's absolutely no profit of no benefit to you or to God because God has purpose in his work. God does not just work haphazardly or, or just whenever he wants to. God has absolute purpose in his work, and he has a, an intention with it. So it's not just like, oh, well, I'm just going to throw it all out there and see what happens. No, God has so ordained everything that has taken place and is happening in your life right now that it's hard for us to even conceive that thought. If he can know our thoughts are far off, He knows what our yesterday was, what our day is, and he already is in our tomorrow. There isn't anything hid from God. And he's not doing anything by accident. The Bible tells us that the Lord, the eyes of the Lord are searching the whole earth. He's looking for someone whose heart is perfect toward him that he might show himself strong on their behalf. So the Lord is looking for opportunities continually to try to find a heart he can work with. I don't ask you, can he work with your heart? Is he able to work with your heart tonight? He's looking for a man or for a woman that's willing to be used of God. Someone he can work in and work through. He's called us to be his body, his hands, his feet, Right? He's called us to be part, partners with him. And so we have, we have a, a great privilege, a great opportunity. But I want to start with the idea, God has a right to work. You know, 
He's got the right to work. I know in a lot of places, they, you have to get certain permits to get rights to do certain things, right? That's the way, the way it operates. You know, you have to get a right to, to dig here, a right to build there, a right. There's so many places they have so many right. you know, have to get permits for. I'll tell you what, God has a permit to work. He is permitted to work, and he has the right to work, and he has the right for a lot of reasons. Number one, he created us. He has right by creation to, own, to do whatever he wants to with us. Because we're his by creation. But more than that, we're his because we are bought. Now, Sister Nancy's already saying, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are his. It belongs to him. And it's so important for us to realize that. That we have been called, we've been called, we've not only been made, we've been bought, but we've been called for his purpose as well. We're never called for our own purposes. We're never called for, uh, you know, for our own delights or joys. We're always called for his. In fact, we were, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 45, that you were created for his glory. You were created for his glory. The Bible says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he hath before ordained that we should walk in them. There's a lot of ideas that people think that take like last night's message and says, well, all you have to do is just believe. The belief is all it takes. It's just a belief. And God's just going to do everything. You just sit back in your easy chair and you don't worry about, you don't do anything. God just does absolutely everything. But God has created us. In righteousness and true holiness, he's created us to be his workmanship so that we are created unto good works. We are to perform good works. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men. Why? So they can glorify your Father in heaven when they see your good works. Another place is be careful to maintain good works. So a lot of people have this idea and said, you know, you know, work. there's no way you can work to merit salvation. And that point is absolutely true. But anybody who is allowing God to do any work in them and through them, they're going to be producing some works. They're going to produce something that's going to come out of their life that's going to show that they have, they're a changed person. They're not the same old man. So we've been created in righteousness and true holiness and God has bought us with the price with his own precious blood. We're not our own. He's called us to his missions, to his purpose, for his ambassadorship, for the ministry of reconciliation. So there's a calling that's put on everybody's life. It's not exactly the same, but everybody's got a calling. We came from Branson before we came here and we watched the story of Esther on the Sights and Sounds Theater, which is a fabulous production, by the way. If you've ever get a chance to see a, a production from the Sights and Sounds Theater, I've seen several of them. That's one of the reasons I said, I got to go see Esther. I want to see it. I'm just I'm mesmerized by the amount of work that they put into it. But something that just, just grabs me every time I study or read about Esther or hear, uh, hear about Esther, there's something that just kind of grabs my heart. And that was when Mordecai, her cousin, looked at her and says, who knoweth but thou art brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. So I want you to know, Esther was no accident that she ended up in the Persian palace. It's no accident that you happen to be right here at this time in this life, part of your life, at the 2023, where you're at. There's no accidents. God has chosen you and has chosen me to be at this time and this place in history on his purposes, his agenda, his plan. God has the right to work. It's his agenda, it's his church, it's his kingdom, it's his plan, it's his time. It's his power. It's his abilities. It all belongs to him. And we are not our own. The Bible tells us that we are to be stewards of the manifold grace of God. God has entrusted you. And he's entrusted me with some things. And one of the things he's entrusted us with is the gospel. 
We've been given and entrusted with the gospel. He's entrusted you with time. He's entrusted us with so many, with the spirit of God. But it all belongs to him. It's his. And it has to be used for him. He's not going to allow anybody to abuse the privileges that we have in him. He's not going to allow you to do that. You know, God works in us, and he wants us to work with him. Jesus said, my father worketh, and hitherto I work. So what was he saying? He said, God is, God is at work, and I'm busy doing what, God wants, what God's working. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but God's at work in your life, too. A lot of times we don't operate with the Jesus mentality on that one. God's at work in my life, and I'm treating it like it's a wire brush ordeal. I'm just getting wire brushed as a Christian, you know. He's always having to clean me up, but I always have to have the wire brush treatment. I'm always between a rock and a hard place. I know God's at work somehow, but I'm just between the rock and the hard place. Well, I know God's at work, and God's working on me, and I just keep finding all where I keep failing. I just keep failing. I just keep failing. Yeah, God's at work on you. It's true. God is at work. But I'm going to tell you what, we can make that easy or we can make that hard. Jesus said, you know what, my father's working and that's good. I'm going to work right along with him. I'm going to work, with, work it too. And so we need to have that same attitude. My father's working and I'm going to work too. Hitherto I work. As God is at work, so the Son also is at work. And I want to ask you why. Why is the Son and the Father at work together like that? I mean, couldn't the Son just go off and do his own thing and the, thing and the Father do his own thing? They can't, and they won't. And I'll tell you why. Because the Bible says God was in Christ. So when God was inside of Christ, working in Christ, it caused Christ to work with God's works. You follow me? Jesus went on and he prayed, Father, that they may be one as we are. He says, as you are in me and I want them to be in me and me in them, he says we're to be one. He has a special purpose in that. Is that as there is a oneness within us, that there's something would work out of us that the world may believe. God was in the Father. Christ was to be in us. In fact, he said we were created for his own, his glory. The Bible tells us, I just quoted that a while ago. But being created for his glory, how is it even possible that we could glorify God at all? The Bible lets us know the only way we can have even a hope of glory is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You have no hope of glorifying God outside of Christ being in you. So when Christ is in you, you have that hope of glory, the possibility at that time that you can fulfill your purpose that God has for you in this world. So as the Father works and Christ works as the Father works, and if Christ is in you, guess what you're going to be doing? You're going to be working as Christ works. You're going to be working as the Father's working. You're going to be busy doing the same sort of things. There's no hope of glory except Christ be in you. Romans 8, Romans 8 says, it says, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. On down in verse 13, it says, For if you live after the flesh, you shall die, but if through the spirit you do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Jesus was led by God. We are also to have that spirit of God, the spirit of Christ and Christ within us, and we're to be led. Otherwise, you're not even considered a son of God. 
Now, I know a lot of people want to say, well, they just chose to sign up to be a son of God, but you can't be a son of God without the Spirit's leadership. You can't be a son of God without the Spirit of God within you. You cannot be a son or a daughter of God unless you have that connection of oneness with the Father. And that was something that God had planned a long, long time ago. And he's planned it for you for right now in this year, right here. He wants us to be workers together with him. Paul says, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Don't let God's grace be in vain in your life. Don't let it be in vain. In one place, Paul said, he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Another place, he said that God's grace was not in vain in my life. I asked you, has God's grace been vain in your life? Has it been worthless in your life to God? I don't know what God can get out of it. But I have often thought, I don't ever feel like I'm very fruitful for the Lord, to be honest. I don't feel fruitful at all. I don't feel that I've achieved hardly anything for him. And sometimes that makes me really, really sad because I wish I could just count up how all the great things I've ever done for the Lord. But I really don't have a big, long list that I can even say that any of them are any good at all. But one thing I've always been encouraged by when the Lord talks about it, he asks us to be part members of him, be with the vine, be in the vine. And he promises while you're connected to the vine, he's going to supply anything you need. But he also lets us know while you're connected to the vine, he's all the time working to produce the fruit in you, the fruit he wants to see because he's the husbandman. And he never tells us in that scripture that you're to check your own fruit. He provides the fruit through you. He wants you to be made, let yourselves be pruned. Yeah. Let yourselves be challenged. And he asks you to be faithful. He asks you to be faithful. You may feel like you're real fruitful, and if you do, that's wonderful. I don't know. But I think you can check and see if you're faithful or not. God wants to work in us before he can work through us. He's always preparing us so he can use us. A lot of people want God to just start working through them. You know, Lord, as we talked last night, how wonderful it would be just we could just lay our hands on the sick and they just immediately get healed and, and have all kinds of wonders just happen at our fingertips and how great and wonderful that would be. But God is not doing that like that. He always works in us first. He always cleans the house up. He asks us, if you're a new man in Christ, you put away and you get rid of the things of the old man. The old man's dead. It's not to be there anymore. He tells you to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Get rid of those things because they become a hindrance and he begins to clean house. I'm telling you, it's a good thing that God does. He doesn't do it to just try to make it hard on you, to make you lose your friends and to make you lose your uh, different things you always got used to. He's doing it for your own benefit so he can work in you and he can work through you. But that's one of the things he always will do. He wants to clean you up. He wants to clean you up. And I know a lot of people think that baptism is a, is a cleaner-upper. But I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people full of sin, get dunked in the water, and they come back up, and they're still full of sin. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness, and that's still the same today. Baptism is only a sign of what God has done. It's a symbol. It becomes a witness to what God has done. It is not the cleansing agent. God is at work in us. Some of you, if you're honest, you know when the Lord begins to start knocking on your heart and hey, you should, this is something you need to stop. You need to quit that. 
Because whatever it is, it's become a hindrance and God cannot work in you as he wants to. So that's one of the things that God, God is doing, but he begins to work in us. And the one is, there's several reasons he do, does it. But the Bible talks about in Colossians 1, 29, it says, Where unto also I labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. In other words, God's got some power with the work he wants to do inside of you. And sometimes you feel it with a real hard thump. Thank God, you know. I remember one time that uh, the Lord spoke to me, and I was I was just a young young girl, and I was sitting back. If you, I always sit like three benches back in the church, and and uh, the Lord told me I needed to testify, and I didn't. I was too scared. I didn't want to stand up and testify. Thank God, I'm just fourteen, <laughs> and I'm a girl, and I'm not going to be able to do that. And so I didn't, but I don't tell you what, it didn't take very long. That old heart was going. And I thought, man, I felt so bad. And I don't know why it came to me, but it's like, it's the same as killing somebody to dishonor God like that. I felt like I had murdered somebody. And I thought, have I actually put you to an open shame? Have I crucified the Son of God again? And that was the way I felt like that somehow I had so dishonored God that I could have just, like I had killed him. And I promised the Lord, I said, Lord, if you ever, if you ever knock on my heart again, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stand up. I don't want that no more. I want to know that this vessel can be used of you. God likes to work in us, and he works in us mightily. He will work in you mightily. In Philippians, it tells us in 1 and 6, it says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Oh, God is very solicitous about his work. If he gets started in a work in your life, he's not going to turn his back on it. There's a song, I don't know who used to sing it, but he never built his home in us to move away. He didn't teach you to swim to let you drown. You know, that's just not who God is. God doesn't just start a work and say, I'm going to draw you to me, and the next day or so say, I don't really matter. I want to tell you what, he never has. Even when you've disobeyed him, he'll run after you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. He said, it's going to chase me. It's going to stalk me down. And God's goodness always leads us back to repentance. I often think of Jonah. You know, if there's anybody who had been pretty much neglectful of the work of God, it was Jonah. He didn't want to face up to it. He didn't want to get involved in it. He didn't want to do, do it. He just didn't want to have it. He wanted to run away from it. He did not want to have a part to do with that because he's like, no, 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 no. Let me go anywhere, God. Not to them stinky, filthy Ninevites. They might have had lots of reasons why he didn't want to go down there. I don't know. They might have been good reasons. But you know what? It didn't really matter because God had started a work and God wanted that work finished and he didn't go pick somebody else to finish it. He said, no, Jonah, I have picked you and when you come back, that's where you're going to go. Now, I, I would have certainly been, if I'd have been Jonah, I think, surely God changed his mind. I already jumped and we got bailed out and I know he prepared the fish for me and, but still, you know, surely God knows I'm just really not the guy cut for that job. God don't do that. When God calls, he equips and he continues with you because he will perform it. When God begins to work in you, he will perform it. There's a lot of people anxious to get to do something other than what God's telling them to do, too. You got to be careful for that, jumping the gun and trying to overdo the work of God and trying to create your own works for God. But when God creates and gives you a gift, the Bible says he will open the door and make room for your gift. All right? You're never going to have to jump in and tell everybody, hey, I'm a preacher, I'm a preacher. 
Let me have my time. You know, if God's called you to the ministry, you'll never, ever have to ask to preach. I know that is a way, for a fact, because it's my experience. I told the Lord, I was so ashamed. I didn't even think that I should be a preacher. We had four or three other preachers in our congregation. We had services all the time, five services a week, it seemed like. And, and I, I like, there's no sense in me being a preacher, Lord. And God wouldn't let me go. Finally, I made a deal with the Lord at the altar. Okay, God, I will, but you're going to have to open the door. I'm never going to tell a soul that I'm a preacher and that I want to preach, that I'll preach for them. I never will. And I thought I'd thrown the ball back in God's court and it wasn't nothing going to happen. It was a quiet, silent prayer between me and God. But I want you to know when God starts a work, he doesn't stop until he gets it done. It was in two minutes of making that prayer at the altar on a Saturday night that the pastor came to me and said, I want you to preach in the morning. And I'm like, all of a sudden, all this goes through my head. And I said, Lord, that's what I told you I would do. So yes, I would do it, but I didn't tell the preacher yes. I just said, I'll pray about it. (laughs) And I did. I prayed all night because I scared myself to death that God actually come through and God was really real that way. And he came through and he did. And it has ever since. I have never yet told somebody, and I think the closest I've come to it, when Brother Tony lost his wife, I called him and said, if you want me, come help you. I'll, I'll do my best to come, but I was too sick and I couldn't make it and I wanted to come help him. But that's, that's the closest I've ever told anybody in 30-some years that I was, would preach. God knows how to make a room for you if, you if you're supposed to be there. But you also have to be willing to be anything and do anything he wants you to do. I told the Lord I'd be willing to be a clown for him. Now that's serious. <laughs> I'd be a clown for you, Lord. I was scared of preaching. I said, I'll be a, a singer and I'll give all my money to you, God. I'll be a missionary. I don't know why I thought that was different than preaching. But, and I'll be a missionary. But God, don't, don't put me into preaching. I would tell you what God will keep after you. If he has something for you to do, he'll keep after you. He'll remind you again and again. Remember back when I laid it on your heart? Remember back when I talked to you when you were a young person? Remember the other day? He'll keep reminding you because God has an intention to finish his work that he begins in us. The Bible tells us also in Philippians there, in, uh, after he says that, uh, that to, you're, he's going to work a work in you, over in chapter 2, it sounds a little different. It sounds like this, chapter 2, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's a lot of people think, ah, I just get to work it out how I want to work it. Until you read the very next verse, it says, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. What's he saying? God begins a work in you, in Philippians chapter 1, chapter 2. He wants you to let that work work out of you. So what God's worked in, he wants you to let it work out, and he wants you to let it work out according to his will and his pleasure. Not my will. And not my pleasure. It's his will and his pleasure. But God's got a work he's got. And there's no accident. There's no accident for each one of you who are here tonight and everybody who's even listening in that God has not had you listen to this tonight on purpose. It's God. So I want to ask you, how, do you know how God does do his work? How he, how, what he's doing in there? I'm going to tell you what he does. He works through the word of God. He works through his word. His word gives us strength. His word gives us a washing. His word does, gives us direction. His word, he works through his word all the time. A lot of times you might not even realize it, but there will be a word that God wants you to grab a hold of, and you'll grab a hold of it in your spirit, and God is working through his word. It was a time I was going through a really hard time and 
And the Lord sent me to Colossians chapter 1. I think it was verse 11. And there's a part in there that you need to have all long suffering with joyfulness. All right? You can read, look that up and read it for yourself. And that's really what I needed to hear, but I didn't like that word right then. I didn't want to have to do my long suffering with joyfulness. But the Lord used that word to work on me and help me understand that during long suffering, you need to still be joyful. God uses his word. God also uses prayer. A communication back and forth between you and God. God works through prayers. And sometimes when you don't even know how to pray, his spirit can come in and say, and interpret your prayers to the Father. I'm not talking saying that you're saying things you don't know what you're saying. A lot of times we don't know what to pray about. You don't even know how to pray for yourself. You don't know what, but you can ask God, God, you can help me because you know me. And I'm going to tell you, through the Spirit, God can relay back to the Father all that we need to know. And He needs to tell us through the Spirit and through the spirits of prayer. I'm thankful that God's still in the business of praying and working with people in prayer. He still is. He hasn't changed. He still hears even the smallest of prayers. Because you know what he's hearing? He hears our heart's desires. He's paying attention to your heart's desires. And God, so God begins to work through prayer. But God also works through suffering and trials. There's a lot of stuff that we face we do not understand. You don't understand. You don't understand why that person does what they do. You don't understand what's happening on your job is the way it is. You don't understand sometimes about your health issues. Sometimes we don't understand what's going on in the church. Sometimes we don't understand what's happening in our governments and the world around us. There's so much we don't understand. And a lot of it becomes a a problem or a trial or a trouble to us because we don't have a full understanding of it. And that's okay. You don't have to have a full understanding of everything. Because God does. But God allows everything to happen to you for your good. So it doesn't matter what kind of suffering or trials or troubles you're going through. You have to somehow say and say, there's Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So when you know that you're loving God and you don't understand what's going on, you can always stop and say, thank you, God. I don't know what's going on, but I know somehow you're going to use this for good because that's who you are. That's who God is. So God's all the time at work in our life. And many of the times the troubles and the sufferings are are allowed by God. Well, they are allowed by God. Not just many times, all the time they're allowed by God. The devil wants you to think because you got a problem, then somehow you got to bolt. You got to run. You got to you got to make major decisions. You got to you know, you got to change the course of your whole life. You got a problem. It's time for a divorce. It's time for to quit this job. It's time to leave this church. It's time because a problem come up that you don't know how to deal with. But many times the problem is God allowing it to happen to show you who you are and help you learn to trust in him. He says that after you've suffered a while, make you perfect, strengthen, establish you. In other words, God has a purpose as he works in us through the sufferings and through the trials and the problems that you, get to, that you have. Sometimes you don't understand why does this kind of thing keep happening to me? Well, is God saying you need to learn? You haven't learned that lesson yet. You haven't learned that yet lesson yet. And you might not think there's a lot of lessons you got to learn, but there are a lot of lessons. There's a lot of lessons I learned, and I'm still learning a lot of lessons. wasn't too long ago. I was having some kind of a problem, and it was the root cause of it was because I was afraid of something going to happen that I didn't want to happen. And so I become extremely defensive, all right? And I didn't know I was being so defensive. 
But I was trying to keep that other person satisfied. And what was happening with me is I was becoming so defensive, trying to defend everything and everybody and try to, to make everything happy. And I realized, you know what? It wasn't even my job to do. And the person I was trying to help looked at me one day and said, why are you so defensive? And I had never even occurred to me that I'd been defensive, but I had been. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, that's something I need to really pray about. I didn't know I'd been doing that. And it had come up again. And I did it again. And she said, there you go again. And oh, I, and my heart smote within me, and I said, God, you got to help me. I'm not the ruler of the universe. I don't have to defend anything. I don't have to control anything. I don't have to even try to stand up for Louisiana. And that's what I was trying to do. Can't do it. Don't try to stand up for Ohio either, y'all. She either defends herself or not at all. But we all try to defend her. It just seems, but that was my, it was an issue. But I was thinking down through my life, God, I've had, God, God's allowed a lot of things to happen to me so I could learn a lesson. God works in me and he works in you sometimes through the problems that we face. A lot of people don't want to face those problems and they don't want to own up to it. They want always somebody else to be to blame for it. I'm going to tell you what, you never allow God to work in you and through you when you're all the time throwing the blame somewhere else. You can't, it won't happen. There's a lot of people who want to blame somebody else for it, but it doesn't work like that. God works in us through the word, through prayer, through suffering. He works to make us perfect in every good work according to his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. God's at work in you. His goal is to constantly change you from glory to glory. Yeah. He wants you to get a picture of it, but he wants to keep moving you closer to it. God is constantly moving you so that you become conformed to the image of his son. So however God is working and what God's doing, God, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter whether you're redheaded or you're Irish or you're German or, or wherever you come from, what other side of the tracks you were on. God takes everybody and he makes them like his son. There's too many people want to hang on to something else that makes them so identify so differently than just being a Christian. I think we need to watch out for that. Because anytime you want to identify as something more than just a Christian, just a humble servant of God, you've got yourself where you've created an idol of whatever that other thing is. It's just Jesus is all that really matters. And I can name a lot of different things that people get into and think, oh, this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. But what happens, those, uh, that other thing takes them away from God. I've seen people who think, you know, cowboy church is the thing, you know. We're going to go to church because it's cowboy church. I want to tell you what, if you're a Christian, you're a Christian whether you're a cowboy or not. Other people say, no, I just want to go to bikers church, the bikers. I'm a biker. Are you a Christian? If you're a Christian, you can sit in the same pew with somebody who's been a prisoner, who's been a biker, who's been a banker, who's been a lawyer. It doesn't matter because you identify with Christ. Not with all those other things. What happens when you begin to identify with all those other things besides just being Jesus Christ? You become formed more to their image than you are to the image of God. I don't, there's nothing wrong with having church at cowboys at rodeos. There's nothing wrong with having church service at a biker's camp or whatever the bikers want to get to do. Or, or There's nothing wrong with having a church if you want to do it for a prince's celebration. I don't care. It doesn't matter. But as a Christian, you're just identifying with Christ. And God wants us to be conformed to his image, not to the image of the cheerleaders or to the image of the ball players 
Or they, and I'm getting really close to home. I'm starting stomping on a lot of few toes. Or the movie stars. All the latest fads and fashions. That's not where our conformity comes to or from. We're not to be conformed to this world, but we're to be transformed by the renew of our minds. And he's the ones conforming us to the image of his son. The Bible says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So when God works in us, and he's working in us all the time for his purpose to work through us. You know, a light doesn't shine very good when the globe is all filthy. You want to get a good oil lamp and you have a nice clean globe, you can get a brighter light. But you get an old smutty globe and it don't shine much light at all. And the best thing you do, you all know, if, I don't know if you all even use oil lamps around here ever in the wintertime when the lights and electric goes off. But if you do, you always will have enough sense to say, you know what, I, I need to clean this globe if we want to have good light. If you get an old set it up smoty globe on it, you can't, you can't get good light. God knows that. That's why he works on us so he can work through us. And many times the suffering that happens in us creates a lot of holes and we find all the faults in our lives, but it helps the light shine through too. Let God do his work. When God works in us, he pre- prepares the place for us to work to work through us. The problem is that most people never get past God always having to work on them and in them to the point where he can work through them. They have become so myopic, so self-focused, and then they don't allow God any cooperation on their part. When we have become so self-absorbed and so self-centered and so self-overwhelmed with self. And sometimes it's not about just having a big ego. Sometimes that's a problem. Ah, I'm just too good for those people. If they only knew how smart I was, how good I was. That's usually not the problem of any person who claims to be a Christian. They would never say those words. But the devil used the backside of the same pride. And he says, you're so pitiful. Nobody wants to hear you. It's just the backside of pride. It's still self-focused. But some people have become so self-focused that that's all they think about all the time. We all got problems. We all got things. But I'm going to tell you what, Jesus Christ needs to be the redeemer and deliverer of my problems so I can let him shine through me. For whatever my hang-ups are, whatever my issues are, I got to hang them up and give the issues over to him. And he can do something through me. He wants to shine out through you to the world and he's ready to show his power to the world. He wants the world to know of his saving of his healing and his keeping power. See, most of the world doesn't know that. A lot of the world understands, uh, the Christian world understands, they talk about conversion and what they call being saved as kind of an initial experience. And they think that that's it. But those of you who have been raised with the truth and have studied the word of God and you've been allowing God to work in you, you know that there is a continual, continual progression of God's work in your life. And he wants to. And he wants to. The world needs to see it. The world needs to know it. Not that we're all the time being delivered from sin. That should never keep happening. But we should always be growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believes, believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also. 
and greater works than these shall he do. That's that's a scripture that I meditate on a lot because I still don't understand it. I confess, a lot of people try to explain it a lot of different ways to try to help me think the way they understand it. But if you just take a bare facts of what he said, that's a phenomenal statement. A phenomenal statement. All the things that Jesus did, and he says, and greater works than these shall ye do. God has even more that he wants to do through his people than I believe is being done. I believe our God still is at work. I don't think he's turned his back. I don't think he's shut the door. I don't think he's saying, I'm through with you, that I don't want revival anymore. I'm not going to heal. I'm not going to save. I'm not going to intervene. I want to tell you what, God is ready and waiting. He's waiting for that humble and that contrite heart that's saying, Lord, we need you. Lord, we want you. We want you to revive us again in the midst of all these years. We want you to show your power. We want you to show yourself strong. And we believe you can. We want you to, Lord, work through me. Work through me, Lord. You see, as I said earlier, a lot of people want to sit back and say it's just all easy believism. But in all of God's work is the two parts. There's his part and then there's your part. See, a lot of people get their doctrines all messed up because they're trying to figure out all the, all the parts that they have to do. They're trying to do God's part. And you can't do God's part. And God won't do your part. See, years ago, and I've always just half tell the story, but I hope I can tell it clear enough. Years ago, there was almost a division in our church over my testimony of salvation because I claimed to have gotten saved and God called me into the ministry. And, uh, you know, I told what happened to me. And some people say, tell us of your sanctification experience. We want to hear it as, as we've told it. And so some people say, you know, God did this work, and, and then, then when did he feel you? When were you sanctified? Well, anyway, it became a big issue, and there was, I had a big talk with my dad, and I didn't know about it till later, but several of the people was really upset because it looked like I was perhaps preaching and not having been gone through the two works. But really bothered. Well, naturally it bothered me too because I was just a young kid. I didn't even understand any of that. So I went to the Lord and I said, God, I need to know. I need to know what your truth is and what the word I need to know for myself. I don't want to be missing anything. I want all you want from me. And the Lord told me very clearly, there are two parts. I said, okay. He said, there's my part and there's your part. He said, when you do your part, I do my part. That was simple enough for me. And I realized that's the way God works all the time. He expects for us. He, doesn't, he has the gift of eternal life, but there's a part we play for that, right? You've got to believe. You have to believe. You can't just say, okay, he's got the eternal life, so therefore I have it. No, you have to believe in his son, Jesus Christ. Or he can't, you can't get the gift. And so many of the things God has a part for you to play. He tells us that we're to repent and be baptized, and then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, right? He says that. There's a part we play and there's a part God plays. In all of his work and all of his graces and all that he does for us, we have a responsibility to play. And I want to tell you, there's a lot of people today who want to abnegate their whole responsibility to God and just somehow think, I'm just going to ride through and it doesn't really matter what I do that God just automatically has to take me in because God's God. I want to tell you, God is God. And if he says you've got a responsibility, he's still God. He tells us, as we already mentioned, that we're to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Anything's going on in your life that ain't right, and you know it ain't right, pardon my grammar, but it ain't right. You know it's not right. And you keep doing it? You think somewhere somewhere down the road God's going to suddenly put his favor on it? No. There's things God never is going to favor, Ever. 
Another thing I think is part of our responsibility, and I know it's part of our responsibility, is you need to make yourself available to God. Make yourself available. It's not your ability that determines your progress. It's your availability that does. Because the Bible says the Lord is the one who gives us the ability. But he's looking for people to be available to him. The Bible says the, the, the righteous man, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know why? Because the man has made himself available to the Lord. A lot of people not, don't want to make themselves available to God. It's kind of a shut and closed case for them. It's over. Like, okay, you can't, you know, I've already done all that years ago, God, and you just can't get to me now. No. Someone who is going to allow God to work in them and through them is someone who's going to make themselves available. What does available mean? It means close at hand, easy to reach, listening, ready to be used. Here am I. Send me. That's available. Anything you need? I heard someone, I don't know who it was, come to Brother Tony and say, anything you need, Brother Tony. Anything you need. During the course of this revival, you let me know. I was thinking, man, I need that man in my church. God needs, God needs more of those people. Anything, anything you need. Someone told me the other day, they called me, I was about here, and I said, listen, anything you need. Anything. You want to eat at 11 o'clock at night? You call me up, I'll bring your food to you. That's someone who says, I'm ready, I'm listening, I'm available. But we need to do that to God too, right? God, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is. A lot of people say, well, I can't. I don't have the abilities. It's true. You might not have a lot of abilities. But I'm going to tell you, God's always taken people who didn't have any. Moses couldn't even talk. Right. That God called him. Gideon felt like he was the lowest in his family and the least of all the tribes. God picked him. Joseph was the brother that nobody liked. God singled him out. I want you to know it's not because of who you are or what you can do that makes God want to use you. It's because of your availability to him. You see, there's a lot of people have allowed things to hinder their availability. And some things, and I'm trying to be quick, but too much self-focus. We've already mentioned some of that. They can't get over themselves, so therefore they're just so wrapped up in themselves. They can't get over themselves enough to be made available to God. A lot of people have an overcommitted lifestyle. I mean, there really is no time for God. Because they've just got every minute uh, packed up. Every day, every hour, everything. They, they don't even think that maybe God has a right to tithe of your time. They think, well, I tithe my money. But what about, does God have a right to your time? Any of your time? But it hinders the ability you to be able to be available to God because you get yourself so tied up. Being overcommitted. And I think, too, forgetting your purpose. And that's easy for us to do. We got our list. We're going to Lowe's. I'm going to the grocery Walmart. I've got my list. I got my, I got my focus. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be getting groceries. And I can't see this person over here that God wants to speak through me to. Because my focus, I think my purpose that day is I got to be at Walmart. But I'll tell you, so many times we as Christians, we forget our purpose. We forget our purpose when we're at family reunions. We forget our real purpose when we're on the job. You forget your real purpose when you're at school. Perhaps you forget your real purpose when you're driving down a crowded highway or you're meeting people at Walmart. What's your real purpose? I'm going to tell you what that makes people, when people forget their real purpose, they don't make themselves available to God. They can't. Not only available, but I think you need to be committed. 
in the good times and in the bad times, with all your time and with all your talents, everything that you are, everything that you have, everything that you hope to have, everything you hope to be, needs to be entirely committed to the Lord. Otherwise, God can't work with you. If you say, no, God, I'm going to hold this back for me, I want to tell you what happens when you do that. Every time you, you, have, you have committed a crime against the Almighty and you also have destroyed your own credibility with God, but you've forfeited your victories. When they stole and they took back out of, the, out of Jericho, Achan thought, he, I would just hold this back for me. But he actually destroyed his whole family with that. Ananias and Sapphira fell down dead. They, were, they thought, well, it's okay. We can keep back part. We'll tell them we'll do the other. It's just a small lie. But they lost their lives over it. it. Must be entirely truthful, entirely committed with all that we have. Another thing that can help you to allow God, your responsibility of uh, allowing God to work in you and through you is that you need to be humble and teachable. And you can't be teachable till you're humble first. A person who's first humble, they're always teachable. Somebody who's humble is aware of their own, their own weaknesses. They know what their own tendencies are. People who feel like they don't have any major weaknesses, I would say they're not a very humble person. If you really know who you really are and what your weaknesses are, you got to start there. You got to start there. You're conscious of, of your blind spots. A lot of people think they see, they see and they know everything. There's nothing that they don't know. You talk to them, they'll let you know. They can tell you a little bit about everything, about anything. But there's stuff that we don't know. And that's okay. Be honest about it. Be willing to listen, to learn. And whenever you make a mistake, own up to it. Man, I failed. I wish I'd have prayed more before I said that. I wish I'd, you know, I, I'm going to do better. I mean, but you can own up to it. Don't throw off the blame to somebody else or try to cover it over like it never ever happened. I mean, everybody's smarter than that. Own up to it. Someone who's slow to speak and quick to listen is a humble and teachable person. Being humble and teachable also means that you're not easily offended when you're corrected. (laughs) Ouch. As one girl told me, she said, I don't care. I don't care if they don't like me, and that's okay. Nobody, everybody don't have to like me, but they don't have to tell me about where I did wrong. Like, okay. Like that was the, the epitome of the worst thing that somebody could do as they went up and told her how she shouldn't have done whatever. I'm going to tell you what, if, it, if you're being corrected and you want God to work in you and God to work through you, take it as a blessing. Take it as a blessing. Be willing and be obedient to anything God says, anything God suggests. Try to listen to his desires, not just the black and white word. Black and white word is good to know because it's absolute. But many times God wants you to hear his heart, hear his desires, to be, be closely joined with him, to feel whenever, what he feels. See, sometimes we don't feel what God feels. You know, when God looks at a sinner, God still loves them. And he desires to forgive them. And sometimes we don't feel that forgiveness. But if we want to let God to work in us, we're going to have to be willing and obedient to let God, to listen to his heart, to listen to what God, to how God feels about something. I know it might be lengthy and a lot of things being said tonight, but I honestly believe that if your heart is really saying, I want God's work to be done in this church and in me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to let him work. 
God wants to. I have no idea what all God could do. The Bible tells us, and I'm going to close with this scripture. It says, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. What could God do? I ended the sermon last night with this thought. What could God do with people that were totally surrendered, fully believing on him? What could he do? What could he do? He's still the same God. He still can heal any disease. He still can create anything that needs to be created. He still can foretell any event. He still can give protection with angels wrapped all around you. He still can do absolutely anything he's ever been able to do. He's still able to do it today. He's still able to save to the uttermost. He still can. And God still works and still wants to work, and he wants to work through you. But sometimes we're going to have to let our heart get broken up a little bit. We're going to have to let ourselves get humble a little bit. We're going to have to make ourselves a lot more available to him. So he can. So he can. I don't know if you've ever taken out the time and said, Lord, use me. Use me. Let myself get out of the way. Help me to fix whatever my personality problems are. I can get over myself. I really can care rightly for other people like you do, Lord. I believe that's the cry of every true Christian's heart. They don't want to just keep going through the motions. They want it to be real, a real relationship, something really happening with God really at work. He still can do all he's ever done. Brother Tom. Let's stand together as we sing a song in closing. God knows where you're at and God knows the messages and why they sent them and why he gave them to me as he did. And I believe that there's a reason for it. Maybe not your typical message for a revival. And maybe I preached too long to wear you out. I don't know. I thought about preaching all at once because the Lord gave them to me all at one time. I thought, Lord, this is going to be a four-hour sermon. 